Good afternoon or evening. Welcome to the Snake River Lib podcast. It is the 19th of December, the Monday before Christmas, uh, just a week away. Welcome. Thank you so much for listening. Well, um, the indictments or the referrals, criminal referrals for Donald Trump from the January 6th show trials has now come out. There are four <clears throat> criminal referrals. First one, obstruction of an official proceeding. The next is the conspiracy to defraud the United States. The third is conspiracy to make a false statement. And finally, to incite assist, or aid or comfort an insurrection. These are the referrals. Now, remember, there's been a special counsel appointed by the um, Democrats' uh, henchman, Merrick Garland, the attorney general, uh, to investigate January 6th. All of this can be exploded with one statement or one question. Madam Speaker, referring to Nancy Pelosi, and Sergeant of Arms, whoever the Sergeant of Arms is, as well as the head of the Capitol Police, as well as the mayor of Washington, D.C. One question, ask all four of them. Yeah, four. Donald Trump, President Trump, did President Trump offer up up to 10,000 National Guardsmen to secure the Capitol for January 6th? The answer, of course, is yes. And they would be lying otherwise. So, really makes all those moot. But, hey, what's, what's a worry to you? It only costs $3 million dollars. Uh, of, of your tax dollars to uh, deal with that. Um, there was a, a statement, I should move on because this is just garbage, this January 6th thing. It's not even worth mentioning. Um, David Asman on uh, uh, Varney & Company this morning asked a question. Um, with Title 42 set to expire... In two days, the drug cartels are licking their chops at the income they will receive. And then, of course, he asked a question as to how that worked. And it's simply this. It's an acknowledgement of what the Lib has stated from day one. The drug cartels control our southern border. They determine who goes in. The massive number of people that comes across, many of whom they've received thousands of dollars, sometimes by our own government through non-government organizations, to traffic people into the United States. Okay, and those are the so-called, the hardworking, you know, such. Their only purpose to the cartels, besides the money that they get for getting them to the border, which is immense. After all, the 
the drug cartels have more than tripled their income under President Biden. And you can just remember that. We'll be talking about Biden here in a little while because I've got a few things to say about that. Um, the drug cartels are making money like crazy because of our southern border. So you've got those people, the, the so-called good people the and such, Their only purpose is to distract or to occupy the border control or the border patrol while they send people elsewhere, the undetected people, children being trafficked, drugs. Have we mentioned on the lib before that more people under the age of 45 died from drug overdoses than died from COVID during the pandemic. If we cared about the scourge of drug overdoses half as much as we cared about COVID, we would have the army at the border and nobody would be coming across. In fact, the army should be on the south south, border, south side of the border because once they get in here, then there's all that process. You know, they've been trained what to say and even though their cases will never come up and they won't appear even if their cases were to come up, The, um, the damage is already done. So the key is to keep them from crossing the border at any cost. And, of course, by putting troops on the south side of the border, well, of course, you would have to deal with, you know, Mexico is going to have a lot of concerns about that. Um, but that can be easily worked out. And, yes, very easily worked out. It sure beats shooting people down as they come across the border rather than letting them in. Nobody wants that. I certainly don't want that. People should not die. But you see, the thing is, and, and Martha Raddatz, this has really hacked me off. Martha Raddatz of, of ABC is at talking to, uh, over the weekend, Governor uh, Abbott of Texas, and said, you know, it's only Republicans that are talking about the border being open. You know, and yet you're blaming Biden, the president. Well, it's because of the president's policies. The president stripped away all the protections that had slowed down significantly illegal border crossings. Where they said to Mexico, if you let them across, you're getting them. Or we're going to cut off aid to you. You see, by doing that, you discourage people from leaving their homes 
And we've talked about this before, too. But here's the bottom line. The people that can afford to leave are the people that are most necessary to a developing nation for their situation to improve. If the college educated, if the wealthy can afford to pay somebody to get them to the United States, you're taking that that talent, that knowledge, that wealth, what little wealth there may be. I mean, they might spend their entire, you know, life savings to get to the border. But even still, that's money that's not in the economy in their homeland. This is one of the issues with uh, um, health care in this country is there are insufficient doctors to provide for the health care imagined, particularly by progressives. You know, everybody has to have insurance, but having insurance does not mean access to health care. You know, if, you've, if everybody has insurance and you call and you put on a waiting list, you're just like Canada or the NHS over in England. That's not health care. It might be free, but you get what you pay for. And why? And so what happens? We have a lot of doctors in our nation who cannot be any more than residents in various hospitals while they're, because there's only a certain amount of, of doctor positions available. And that's dictated not by the government, not by the states, but by the American Medical Association, the doctor's union, if you will. They dictate how many seats are in medical schools. And what do they say? They say, well, these doctors that come over that are serve residencies in hospitals and such, um, because we don't have enough here, because we don't allow enough people to go through medical school. And that is the truth. So we have doctors come in from around the world. And they stay, and they'll stay as long as they can on their on their work visas, etc. But guess what? Those doctors, which were from maybe some of the poorest countries on earth, maybe the government put them through medical school. They're not helping their people, their homeland. Because the land of opportunity, the United States of America, is truly the land of opportunity. I get sick and tired of people talking about how the free market does not take into account what happens to the poor. And I would say that the poor in the United States, the vast majority of the poor, live better than the middle class pretty much anywhere else in the world. They have cars, they have televisions, they have cell phones, they have air conditioning. Even when you get into the underclass, do I want to be that? I kind of like where I am, okay? 
But to say that the poor, I mean, the governments, they, they average people that receive aid. That aid, by the way, is not counted into their income when you're calculating the poverty rate in the United States. So many people who are eligible for aid are actually living better than people who are just above that cut. You know, where they draw the line. Because that's how our system works. You're either a slave to the government through the welfare they give you, or you're not. And how what, what kind of a difference does that make? Well, I've shared the story. I'll share it again here real quickly. When I was a restaurant manager before I hired him at the FAA, I had a dishwasher. She was an outstanding worker, a single mother, um, trying to take care of her child. Her you know family was helping her and such. Outstanding worker. I gave her a 25 cent an hour raise. Now, you might think, well, that's not very much. But when the minimum wage at the time was three thirty-five, you know that's not a small raise. About a month later, she came back to give me the raise. She said she wanted me to take the raise back, back, because the benefits that she lost because of that quarter an hour from minimum wage, she lost too many benefits. I'd say that's where the system is screwed up. There's no there's no way out for people, and it's intentional. I'll be right back. And welcome back to the Lib. It's uh, Thank you so much for listening. I'm not sure if I said that to begin with. Merry Christmas. I do want to say that and say that again. Merry Christmas um, to all of you out there. I wanted to spend the last little bit. Let me do a quick check to see if there's anything else newsy. Oh, there did another series of uh, uh, Twitter files dropped. Where um, find out how deep the collusion was between the FBI as they used Twitter to unconstitutionally um, censor speech, which they did. But I wanted to talk about the lies that politicians tell and the impact on our society. People like to point out the fact, people on the right point out the numerous times that President Biden lies about his past. And see, this is very critical because if you've read 1984, and if you haven't, you should, you know, there was a whole industry, there were were a whole employment section. What did they do? They rewrote the past based on the current day's events. So if they're at war, if A is at war with B, but tomorrow A is at war with C, they go back and they were and they rewrite history so that A was never at war with B. They've always been at war with C. 
And so yet we have here, you have President Biden who remembers as vice president getting his uncle the Purple Heart that he should have earned at the Battle of the Bulge. Now, believe me, I have no qualms with issuing awards that should have been issued earlier. Although it seems odd to me that, you know, he was a senator for 30-plus years, and he couldn't arrange to get a Purple Heart to his uncle at the Battle of the Bulge. So he's telling a story about how he did this and how he was able to give it to him before he died. Funny, his tombstone makes no mention of being a Purple Heart recipient. Also funny is his uncle died in 1999, eight years before Senator Biden became Vice President Biden. You know, taking a gaffe out of con out of one gaffe does not make a, a liar. President Biden's career trajectory to the White House was derailed in nineteen eighty eight because he plagiarized a speech by a Labour member of Parliament in England. He has constantly made up stories all along the way to fit whatever narrative that he was talking about. Talking about being a lifeguard at a pool, frankly, I would be terrified if I knew that I was counting on Joe Biden, even as a young man, to save my life if I was drowning. He talks about his son dying in Iraq, but his son did not die in Iraq. He died here in the United States. Again, not catching the disease or, or being exposed to the chemicals that perhaps ultimately led to his death, I'm, I'm not versed on it. And I don't really even care because it's not pertinent to the story. His son died in the United States. He says and has said frequently that he was top of his class at his law school and he had a full ride. He graduated at the bottom of his class and never know. It's all crap. He talked about his bid, his his attempt to, well, in success at buying the votes of young people with his $10 million or his uh, $10,000 student loan forgiveness plan. Which even just on its face, you're talking that each, each one of those loans is really going to cost $12,000 because by forgiving the loan, there should be taxes. The, the person would be taxed, but the way that it was processed, that there would be no taxes. So based on how they treated President Trump during the Tax Cut and Jobs Act of 2017 debates, the taxes 
that would be paid for these people to have their loans forgiven were also essentially also forgiven. So that needed to be factored into the cost, which is why they think that even though they estimated the cost at $400 billion, that it was well over half a billion and maybe even as high as a trillion. President Biden said that he was able to get that through Congress. It was an executive order. Again, had this not happened throughout his career where he has lied and made stuff up out of whole cloth his entire career, and then you could say, well, maybe he's just slipping. You know, he's getting old, you know, and he, he remembers things a little bit differently. That's an interesting way to put it, of course. But the truth is, these are all lies. And you know what? If he was a Republican, he would not get away with any of it. The press wouldn't, wouldn't let him. The press wouldn't just shrug their shoulders and say, well, he's just being Joe. The press would say, Mr. President, isn't it true? I mean, you just said that you got the student loan forgiveness through Congress. But forgive us for asking, but wasn't that an executive order that you just signed out of whole cloth? Had nothing to do with Congress? Simple as that. And his, the lying is pervasive throughout the administration. Now, I know politicians, I get it, right? I understand completely. Politicians are liars. But it's funny how we only hold some of them to account. You have Mayorkas there saying that the border is secure, and they're saying that ending Title 42 in two days does not put the border at risk. And yet they can see the tens of thousands that are on the other side of the border waiting for Title 42 to end. I think E-Verify needs to be put into place immediately that that needs to be congressionally mandated president of course won't sign it but this is where we're going to spend the last few minutes i want to talk about the congress that's coming up here in the new year you know mitch mcconnell is desperate to get an omnibus through before the republican congress sits because he knows that things are going to be far different then which is why he wants to do the democrats one last favor Republicans need to hold the line on spending. They need to say, you know, this whole spending thing is where the problem is. You know, I mean, on one hand, you have the Fed cutting or raising interest rates to try to reduce borrowing, and yet the federal government borrows more and more and more. Don't believe for a minute what President Biden has stated about how he's reduced the deficit. The only deficit reduction that has been made was when programs expired. Had Build Back Better, as he envisioned it passed, there would have been absolutely no deficit 
reduction. In fact, there would have been massive deficit increases. When you're borrowing like there's no tomorrow, which of course, by the way, is is the Keynesian model, right? Because what do they say? Well, by then we'll be dead, so they won't care, right? Let's spend your great-grandchildren's money now, because what do I care? I won't be here. Literally, there was, I, I'm going to have to look it up, but there was a Democrat back uh, either Bush's time, Bush 43's time or a little bit before when they were talking about Social Security reform and these, and they said, well, it's going to last until such and such a year. And he said, well, what do I care? I'm going to be long dead by then. When you're constantly rewriting history, which they are doing, 1619 Project, anyone? Pretending that the Civil Rights Movement never happened. Martin Luther King, who was a moral leader of the spiritual of the civil rights movement said that he looked for the day when his kids would be judged not by the color of their skin by their cut but by their character today character doesn't matter at all to these people to the progressives what matters is how many boxes you check gay check black check transgender oh check 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 as much as I wanted to go on to a little bit of a rant about the gender ideology or theology, which is really more of a theology, I'll have to save that for another time. Just know it's coming. And yes, I know because of the personal implications what that means. But, you know, more and more countries are recognizing what we're doing to our children. But we'll talk about that later. You know, you have no future if you have no past. And if you're constantly rewriting the past, then the future doesn't matter to you. Hayek said that individual rights were com were incompatible with any programs to provide equality of outcome. My rights matter. Do yours. It's the Snake River Lib.